0: You are listening to the Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, FA Nation? John Pemba here with Andrew Cooper. This is the Quick Out Fantasy Football Podcast here for week six of the NFL season. And Coop, we finally hit it. Bye weeks are now impacting lineups across the fantasy football got to make those quick decisions, got to hit the waiver wire, got to start planning ahead like you and I like to talk about when it comes to figuring out your waiver wire needs, especially when it comes to these bye weeks and the impact they can have on your lineups.
1: Exactly. We've been talking about this for a couple weeks now, so I don't want to hear anybody, any Darren Wall owners crying this week about injuries or bye weeks or whatever because we've been talking about it for a while. It was you versus the Hawkinson owner to get somebody up to now. Hopefully you already did. If not, we'll talk about it this week. And I guess we have to pour one out for being able to just look at counting stats because for the first five weeks, every team plays, makes it a little easier. Now, everything's got to be by per game statistics. I mean, we like to look at rate stats anyway, but, you know, there goes that uh, the low-hanging fruit. There goes the box scores. Yeah, John, there goes
0: right? the so, easy-looking. It's all it analytics to it, now,
1: baby. When it comes so let's, all. let's get after
0: it. Yeah, so again, we got, uh, we got a little bit of a shorter slate because we do have teams on a bye this week. Uh, Coop, do you have the uh, bye week teams handy to tell the people who are not playing this week?
1: Yes, I do, naturally. So you have the Lions and Vegas, who I just talked about just now. Lions and Raiders are on by. Also, Tennessee Titans and the Houston Texans. So these first couple of weeks, you're going to get about four or five teams. And then week nine is a one of the big ones. That one, you have eight teams on by. And then week 14, also a big one. So those are the ones where, in the back of your mind, just remember, if you need folks for that week so do a lot of people
0: so keep those yeah, back and mind. hopefully your league's playoffs don't start week 14 scott yeah. fishbowl had done previously so anyways let's turn our attention to week six here we'll hit up the big storylines that we're looking for a little bit of game breakdown preview tonight football they're giving us yet another snoozer here after forcing us to watch the colts and broncos play last thursday we have the washington commanders against the chicago bears chicago is a one point home favorite in this game with a 37 and a half game total Coop, not great washington's one and four chicago's two and three teams that on paper washington feels like they should be a lot better than one and four chicago feels like they should be worse than two and three i'm not too excited to be sitting down in front of my television to watch this game this week
1: Nah, dude. And I think 37 and a half, if I'm not mistaken, that's the lowest of the season so far. So congratulations, guys. These teams are kind of the opposite, right? So Washington actually throws a ton. They're just not good at it. So they are third in the league in pass attempts per game with 42. The Bears are not only last, but one of the worst teams in the last, I mean, not even kidding, 20 to 30 years. 17.6 attempts per game I looked at it and the next highest is 24.6 I had to go back over 10 years to find a team that averaged less than 25 attempts a game I had to go back to the Jets in 2019 The Chicago Bears averaging 17.6 attempts per game that is absurd and I don't see why it wouldn't be more the same because they're actually calling the pass plays this past week they called 32 pass plays, and Fields just kind of scrambles around, throws it away, gets sacked. He only threw 22 times. Same with the week before. So it's I don't see why it would change much. So as, it makes it hard to start. Bad as bad as passing offense that. has been
0: this year, Coop, they're not last in terms of offensive DVOA yeah. when it comes to their passing offense. The Colts are last. Carolina is second to last. Chicago, third to last. So two teams in terms of past DVOA are actually worse than Chicago, but crazy yeah fields as we've talked about has been abysmal it's why his passing yard is props have actually been profitable lately because the books have been giving him such low totals these past two weeks it was like 147 and a half against the giants they bumped it up to 165 against minnesota he's gone over in back-to-back weeks i'm gonna take a quick gander to see what we got on the old prize picks machine to see what they're giving him as his passing artist prop here for thursday night football 165 and a half again coop does he oh, yeah. go over for the second, the third straight week? Do you think?
1: I kind of like it. I kind of like making that bad. I mean, at least you can root for the game to kind of be fun because I imagine you're not starting many people in fantasy. I will say this like Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet are playing huge snap shares, running a lot of routes. Cole Komet played 61 of 62 snap, snaps the week before. This week he played 45 of 50. Darnell Mooney played 47 of 50. So if this team by accident ever throws it a normal number of times, then those would be the guys to succeed. But for me, probably more DFS showdown slates than they are guys you start regularly. I mean, David Montgomery could start because yeah. they run a ton, but that's about it probably over there. On the Washington side, John, who do you like best out of these wide receivers? You got Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson probably out again, and De'Ami Brown, despite not playing a ton of snaps, scored two touchdowns, so maybe he earned a bigger role. Who do you like out of those guys if you yeah. had to pick one to start?
0: De'Ami Brown's interesting because they would have used a second-round pick on him last year yep um, and he's limited too. He was listed as a non-practice participant on monday on the fake practice report they put out for the thursday games and then he was limited on tuesday as well so i mean there's some interesting potential for him not to be available they just l- ruled out logan thomas i'm gonna go with terry mclaurin here but obviously i think both wide receivers are pretty interesting the i am so con- confused really on the props here because again i do the prize picks article or video for the nfl Terry McLaurin, 54 and a half yards. Curtis Samuel, 47 and a half yards. They've gone over these numbers pretty much every game this season, with the exception of the matchup against Dallas, right? Every other game, they've gone over those two totals here. Chicago just allowed Justin Jefferson to have 150 yards by halftime, right? So, like, their pass defense isn't very good, and yet these two receivers have their receiving yards totals much lower than what they have producing each week so far. So even Darnell Mooney's 43 and a half and Cole Komet's 27 and a half. They've both gone over those totals in two of the last three games. So Vegas is down on all of the production in this game here. But I like McLaurin the best. I think we could have another 70 to 100 yard game here out of Terry McLaurin.
1: Yeah. And I honestly, like the thing with Curtis Samuel is you know what he is. He's a low A dot guy, gets a ton of targets, but all he has to do with a line like that, like he's gotten... No less than seven targets. Here are his targets, 11, 9, 10, 7, and 8. So he's going to catch four to five balls minimum. All he has to do is break loose for one to get that number. So I like the Curtis Samuel bet too. It's just Vegas is predicting this game to be sloppy, low scoring, and I think that's probably where a lot of those lines stem from. But as we've seen with Thursday Night Football, if it's anything – it's unpredictable. Yeah,
0: Exactly. What are your thoughts on the running game? Obviously, David Montgomery returned last week. Brian Robinson also made his debut. You now, Robinson didn't look anything special. We didn't expect much from him here, kind of easing him into his first workload. But moving forward, do you see him like overtaking Antonio Gibson? JD McKissick still had a pretty big role in the passing game. And, and Montgomery came and established himself, even though, again, not a great game for him, as the lead back in this offense.
1: Yeah, it was interesting. It kind of seemed like every time Brian Robinson was in the game, they were giving him the ball right? Like he actually led the team in carries. He had nine carries. Antonio Gibson only had three. So, I mean, on that alone, it makes me interested in Brian Robinson. Kind of difficult to start him unless you have to, but I want, I'm making sure that he's being picked up in all my leagues. If he comes in first game back from gunshot wounds and has three times as many carries as Antonio Gibson, gotta add that guy where, wherever he's available.
0: Yep. I agree with you there for sure. Well, let's go to a game that's maybe going to be a little bit more interesting here. Sunday, like, uh, like any of them? What? Any like other, any of the any games, the games we were saying, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Sunday, one o'clock games here Cincinnati Bengals in New Orleans against the Saints. Jameis Winston returned to practice today, so it seems like he's going to be in line to make an appearance. There was, I think, I saw some limited participation from Chris Olave. I didn't see an update on Michael Thomas, I don't know if you have that or not yet. But Saints' offense getting a little bit healthier. We obviously saw a big game out of Alvin Kamara last week, the monster game out of Taysom Hill, four total touchdowns for him. Cincinnati. A t higgins questionable obviously for this one it was questionable going into to monday night football or sunday night football rather and played about a quarter and then did not return so that's something to watch there with a t higgins but a one point spread a 43 and a half game total for this one
1: yeah so i don't have the full update i was looking for information on that there's nothing official out yet but so you'll have to keep an eye on michael thomas there but i'm playing i'm making other plans right? Unless they come back and say, Hey, this guy's been practicing early in the week. I usually by Wednesday start to make other plans. So plan to be without Michael Thomas for this one. As far as Taysom Hill goes, I've reached the conclusion at this point where before I was saying you can't start the guy, you can't trust him. But I mean, they're pretty consistently using him there. So if you have guys, obviously, if you have guys like Travis Kelsey that are high floor, high ceiling, you start them. I'm also starting guys that are either that are medium floor, but low ceiling like Goddard or Tyler. Higby, who are playing, they're getting a lot of targets, but they're not running high dot routes. I'm still starting those guys because most of my leagues are PPR, almost all of them. And then I'm still starting the high upside guys like Njoku or Ingram, who are, they could flash and they could actually catch the ball. But any guys that are strictly touchdown dependent, like the Robert Tunyans of the world, I'll start Taysom Hill over them at this point because he's just a simple bet to score one, maybe even two touchdowns, which- Puts all those guys on the back.
0: I had a question on Twitter earlier today. Let me throw it to you and see how you'd answer it. Would you start Taysom Hill over Irv Smith Jr.?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because Irv Smith, is, he's the exact kind of touchdown dependent guy that his upside is catching one touchdown and having 20 yards. I'd rather just start Taysom and hope for two touchdowns. Honestly, it's that crazy right now.
0: Yeah. I said the same thing. I said, if you need the upside play, you got to go with Taysom. But listen, he's getting carries every game. And as we've seen, it only takes one for him. And if he gets going and be successful, they're going to keep going back to him. I'll say my one hesitation with Taysom Hill is that if Jameis Winston does come back, would they be less willing to use Taysom Hill? So that's something to, I guess, at least watch. Obviously, Taysom Hill scored in week one, so maybe not. But that was also a game where Alvin Kamara got a little bit banged up there as well. So just something to, I'm curious how Taysom Hill... Jameis Winston dynamic plays out there, but yeah, he's, it's been wild seeing him play the way he has. So what are your thoughts on the the Saints' tight end position here? Trotman's played like 60% of the snaps for three straight weeks. Jawan Johnson's still getting some looks. Trotman got the touchdown last week. Do you have a, a lean towards either of them?
1: Yeah, so bef- coming into this, like the first few weeks, it was clearly Jawan Johnson. I mean, like this past week, for instance, Trotman played 50 snaps, Jawan played 44, but... Juwan ran more routes, 16-13. I think what's going on is Andy Dalton just is has been working with Trotman in practice, so he trusts him more, working with the second-team guys. If Jameis comes back, then I'll be back on Juwan, but for the time being, I'm not starting either guy. Okay,
0: like, Hayden Hurst.
1: Yeah, Hayden Hurst, again, is another one where I just don't love the upside of the player. Right, Realistically, he's the fifth target on this team because Joe Mixon's getting more targets than usual, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, the exception would be if T. Higgins is out, then I will I would move Hayden. If we're saying Taysom Hill is like the line of demarcation where touchdown dependent guys go below and then there's Taysom Hill and then there's the guys that are actually getting targets. If T. Higgins is playing, Hayden Hurst is below that line for me. If T. Higgins is out, then he's above. Same with honestly Gerald Everett to a certain degree. If Keenan Allen's playing, then I, Gerald Everett might be below that line, All right. so that's where I'm at. Tame, Taysom Hill is now kind of the like the marker, right? Like you, you can I kind of be like, okay, wait, at what point am I just chasing touchdowns? I might as well go with Taysom Hill. I think if Higgins is out, then Hayden Hurst, but otherwise. I mean, he's, he, so far this season, has played all five games, and he is the fifth target on the team.
0: Sure, Jacksonville versus Indianapolis here. We saw this match a couple of weeks ago. Jaguars shot out the Colts. Colts now at home here. Jonathan Taylor, from what I've seen, could be in line to return for this game. Colts are one-and-a-half-point favorites. Jacksonville literally let the world down last week. Survivor pools came crashing down player props missed everywhere unless you were a fan of travis atn things did not go well for you if you were, had any sort of jacksonville jaguars exposure
1: or evan ingram 10 targets True. for evan ingram let's evan not ingram. You marvin
0: know. jones had 100 yards so i mean but again yeah, guys, Jones, jones guys less not. likely to be on rosters ingram yes i even started him in a league atn though a big breakout for him yeah yeah Which so, i, still I mean, think might have been a little bit game scripty people are starting to say oh the last two games look at the snaps for robinson versus atn so they were down versus philly so that kind of led to an atn game script and then last week they really had nothing going on so i feel like they were just searching for something so this will be i think this will be another telling spot here if ATN is a competitive game once again sort of rises above robinson then maybe the shift has happened
1: yeah i think it's you got it right there john it's basically costco brand nick chubb and cream hunt where in the games where they're up big it's James Robinson in the games where they're playing from behind. Need to throw more. It'll be Travis Etienne. I think that seems to be what they're doing. I mean, if you look at it, they both played about 10 run plays. But Travis Etienne played 30 pass plays. James Robinson only played 19. So that seems to be the way they're skewing there with that. And and I would bank on that continuing.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Ashton Doolin landed on the IR today for the Colts. But... It's actually been Alec Pierce, the rookie. We talked about it, obviously, coming into the year. The connection Ryan would have with him as a slot receiver. It didn't start off great for Pierce. He dropped that touchdown in week one. But the last three games for him, since coming back into their lineup, 61, 80, and 81 yards receiving, 3, 4, and 8 receptions in those games. So some big-time fantasy production, especially in PPR leagues, for Alec Pierce. Something that I would actually expect to continue this week against Jacksonville.
1: Yep. And this is something we talked about. So last week we talked about how you want to go out and get guys like Etienne and Brees Hall now because they're starting to see, and we're starting to see games where they're playing more snaps than the other guy. And we're starting to see that upside. Alec Pierce is another guy where you got to add him now, potentially trade for him now. See if you can get him thrown into a trade you would do anyway, because Paris Campbell has been playing like all the snaps. Michael Pittman played 78 or 79 as expected. He played all, he played 52 of 53 pass plays. Harris Campbell played 73 of 79 snaps, 51 of 53 pass plays, and he once again went out there, had two catches for 22. That can only go on for so long. There's going to be a point, in my opinion, unless things change for Paris Campbell or he's doing something amazing in practice that we're not all seeing, there's going to be a point where that flips. And now Alec Pierce is playing the full snap share, and Paris Campbell's the guy that comes in only for three wide receiver sets. And when that does happen, Alec Pierce is going to be able to hit his ceiling because Pierce only played 47 of 79 snaps. He played almost, he played like 25 fewer snaps than Paris Campbell. Just imagine if that was flipped and Alec Pierce was running 51 routes in, instead of running 39. So that I think that, like you said, that's the trend. And eventually we'll see that, and if he's already producing now, just imagine what that might look like with a full snap
0: share. Yeah, available on and still 80% of ESPN Standard League. So if you're out yeah. there, check your waiver wire for Alec Pierce and see if he's on the board. Uh, panicking at any of the Jacksonville receivers, A-Jones, Christian Kirk, obviously both of them disappointed last week. Still running them out there or holding back a little bit?
1: I mean, it's tough. I, Christian Kirk, the thing problem with Christian Kirk is that you got such a discount on him that, you ha- that most leagues, like the leagues where I have Christian Kirk, I have other good wide receivers that I drafted before him. So now I have decisions to make that are really annoying ones. And now he goes to face Steph- Stephon Gilmore, right? Kind of a dicey spot. I think I would try and avoid him if I could. It hasn't looked good the last two weeks. We blamed it on the hurricane the week before, which was easy because he had the targets. Right. He didn't catch any of his first five targets in the game. We're like, oh, it's a hurricane. No hurricane last week, right? It was the Texans.
0: Yeah, yeah the hurricane of the Texans, exactly.
1: Yeah, so I don't know. Yeah, tough to trust. He's going to be a fringe guy. I expect a lot of start sits. For him this week but look around if you have anybody that you trust more i I would lean that way
0: next game here we have the baltimore ravens going into the giant new york to face the four and one new york giants team here giants are getting five and a half the 44 and a half game total story once again for new york is who is there to catch the football for that team
1: yeah i mean what a mess but it's crazy it is i mean honestly if this team wins three more games brian dable coach of the year lock (laughs) right just give it to him Six wins, seven wins with this team. Crazy, man. He's been impressive, I will say. Yeah, so in this past week, you basically saw them roll out the ragtag crew. They started Marcus Johnson off the street, former Colts player, 30 to 34 routes. I don't know. DFS play, there's nobody on this team that I can look at and say, I have to get him in a lineup. These guys are all just DFS stabs. Marcus Johnson, Richie James, Darius Slayton, whoever plays out of... Kadarius tony or wandell robinson if and when that ever happens dart throws and dfs bench dashes but nobody that i trust i don't trust daniel bellinger either he only ran 20 of 34 routes scored on an end around which just can't bank on that stuff so basically i'm starting saquon barkley off this team and nobody else i'm not sure if you feel differently john no,
0: i don't feel differently and even if they like say tell me that like tony or wandell are active i would we very great. hesitant to start them. The one thing with Baltimore, though, is their secondary has been beatable this year. Like, they're giving up a lot of points to the air, a lot of passing yards to opposing teams. Not that Daniel Jones is going to sling it by any sense of the imagination, but this is well, a spot where maybe there's some upside throwing the football for them, but not great. Real, real tough
1: question, I just want to say, the real tough question for Wondell Robinson and Kadarius Tony is not going to be whether you start them. It's going to be when they do get activated and you need to move them out of an IR spot, do okay. you just drop them straight to waivers? Or do you drop somebody from your bench and add them?
0: I think right. i wait. I don't even think I activate them. Just I Just try I, and get I, by. I take advantage of the loophole where you, you just don't make any roster moves, right? ESPN like or Yahoo kind of prevent you from making a move if there's a non-IR guy in an IR spot. If you're in a league that doesn't force you to make those moves, I actually am in one once a guy who's not on IR. You have to move him out of IR. We kind of have a patrolling commissioner checking lineups. But, I mean, if you're in a league where like that's not a requirement, keep him in. See what happens, right? And then make that decision yeah. next week instead of dropping somebody now. So... Yeah so
1: yeah so I, that's the advice right there while they're still IR eligible go out make sure you're squared away at with a good defense matchup, make sure you're squared away at kicker and then see if you can ride through the weekend without having to activate those guys. Exactly.
0: Baltimore side, things are straightforward here. Lamar Jackson, obviously Mark Andrews, JK Dobbins, not a great week frame last week after the multi-touchdown week, the week prior, but he's still solidifying himself as that top running back option. The wide receiver one's a question, right? I mean, obviously no Rashad Bateman last week. We'll see if he plays this week, but Devin Duvernay stepped up as an number one guy and actually had a pretty good game.
1: Yeah, I mean Duvernay. I think he's kind of solidified in his role at this point. What they basically did was they put Demarcus Robinson into the Rashad Bateman role. Demarcus Robinson actually did play a couple more snaps than Duvernay, but Demarcus Robinson didn't earn the target. So yeah, I he's, think that, he's
0: Demarcus Robinson.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> I think that Duvernay's probably pretty safe in his role at this point, and then Bateman will come back and Robinson will go back to the bench. So the real question is a when does Bateman get back is this actually a Liz Frank or what is this midfoot injury and then B, it can Duvernay maintain the target chair so Duvernay's a guy I'm holding on to and potentially starting again this week if Bateman's out
0: yeah I agree with you there I'm trying to see if we have any updated as of Wednesday Bateman is still not practicing a Monday quote from Harbaugh said he hoped Bateman would be back by back for this Sunday's game against the Giants but not practicing by Wednesday that's pretty on, ominous when it comes to maybe uh, the upside or the potential red for bateman to be active for this week so
1: yeah uh, definitely something
0: to continue to uh, monitor there as well next game here san francisco at atlanta atlanta getting five and a half 44 and a half game total shanahan returning to atlanta a little narrative there tevin coleman returning to to atlanta there as well i wrote a little waiver wire spotlight piece on tevin coleman and uh, as you, the reddit crowd they don't really read they just react ah. right so the whole premise of the tevin coleman article was simply i know he's not the lead running back jeff wilson's clearly the lead running back tevin coleman played like 22 or 28 percent of the snaps something in that range but he got more targets he, got, he had more receptions and he got two touchdowns one rushing at the very end of the game but he also had one receiving as the first score of that game against carolina we know coleman knows the system he knows the offense shanahan tends to like him i wasn't suggesting that tevin coleman was coming in to be the lead guy reddit took it that way obviously but do you think that there's a role for tevin coleman here with in this second stint with san francisco
1: with this is the one team where it's always possible because of the hot hands because of the shanahan hot hand rule like he is not afraid to Look at different players and say, This has been working in practice. This has been working in games. This specific scenario, we're going to use this guy. And then next thing you know, the guy's he's the guy. We've seen Elijah Mitchell play over Trey Sermon and Raheem Mostert and all these guys as a sixth-round pick. Now we're seeing Jeff Wilson, a guy that's been floating around with the team forever, play a full snap share. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised for them to just if he's odd hand, he's the odd hand. That's the way it rolls there. So worth a stash, but obviously not worth a start.
0: This yeah, thing. I agree with you there. The rest of this offense straightforward. You were wondering about George Kittle. Did Kittle answer any questions for you last week?
1: Yeah, I mean, like he still is running the routes. He's he's playing a good snap share. He's not being asked to pass people said that he was gonna pass block a ton. He's still, once again, it was three pass blocking snaps the first game, three the second game for this game but that's on 35 pass plays so it's not even it's not anywhere higher than he's ever been like that's the way he's utilized he's going to have big games his target share is like 18% which is still like right up there with a lot of the elite guys like I still have him ranked high if you can buy low on him I would like I think George Kittle is gonna be just fine
0: yeah, I agree with you there. Uh, obviously, we know the other two guys, DO uh, Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. That offense is fairly straightforward. For Atlanta, there wasn't any Kyle Pitts last week. We'll see if he's able to get on the field this week after the hamstring. Drake London is sort of the number one receiver there, obviously. There's no quarter Ralph Patterson, so we saw Algier and Huntley do their best. This just isn't another spot. Like, I don't want to play anybody in Atlanta. This isn't going to go well for them against San Francisco.
1: Oh, yeah, it's not a good matchup. Same defense, been great. So not excited to start pretty much anybody. Maybe Drake London, right?
0: Yeah, I said maybe, yeah, maybe Drake London. But it, to me, he's no more than your wide receiver three this week. Right, um, exactly. I just don't.
1: Christian Kirk or Drake London? Kirk. Yeah, I think so too.
0: A better quarterback in theory. <laughs> in theory, a better quarterback there with Lawrence over Mariota. Next game here, the Jets go into Green Bay and face the Packers. Packers are giving seven. It's a 45 and a half game total. I'm a little surprised Green Bay is giving seven after losing to the Giants. They barely beat the Patriots, led by Bailey Zappi. I don't think Green Bay is that good. I don't. I know they're a three and two. I get that they're home. I think the Jets win this game. I don't yeah. know. I like the, what the Jets are doing on offense. They're really Breeze Hall is looking like that guy. He's that dude that they took in the second round. We know that they have talented receivers. Zach Wilson can still lose them a football game. Maybe that's something to consider. But I don't think Green Bay looks all that impressive to me.
1: Yeah. And the line's been good for the Jets. Elijah Vera Tucker's been great. So, I mean, it's a, it could be anybody's game here. So I think that with a game like this, when you think they could win outright and they're seven-point dogs, you got to at least get some money on them covering that spread. Right. Right. So, I mean, it's, that's the way Vegas goes sometimes. They just say, hey, Aaron Rodgers. You get X amount of points for Aaron Rodgers, right? And so they, that's what they expect. They expect to bounce back after the Giants game. But
0: like I didn't what, see. We just saw what Saquon Barkley did to them last week. I think Brees Hall is very capable of doing the same thing.
1: Yeah. I don't see why not. I mean, so that's the scary thing there. And I, like you said, I don't think Green Bay should be seven point favorites above pretty much anybody at this point. So I'm down for that. Now, as far as fantasy goes, I think the Packers, we kind of know the situation that we thought we knew with Alan Lazard and Romeo Dubs basically playing all the snaps, but now Randall Cobb with his partial snap share. He only still only played 40 of 63 snaps, but I can't ignore 13 targets, right? I mean, are you in or do you, I think we can both agree that this is probably going to be the game where he gets the most targets of any game this season, but I've got to be on the radar. Anytime a guy gets targets like that, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. He's got to be on your radar, but n- nobody should be starting him again, though. That's the right. problem. Stash him, right? Like you, you pick him up. If he does it again, Next week, sure, if it's a bye week and an injury situation for you where you you got nobody else, fine. But nothing indicated that Randall Cobb would have a game like that, the way Lazard and Dubs had been playing. So, and Lazard found the end zone again, right? So I would, it's just a big dark throw to try to expect that.
1: Right. It is always interesting to see what a team does when they're back against the wall. Right, this team had their back against the wall this week, and he just leaned on Cobb, especially towards the end of the game. So Something to be said for that, but again, yeah, probably just a bye week fill-in type guy.
0: Yep, I agree with you. And you can play dubs in Lazard. You just hope that they bounce back against the Jets, so hopefully one of them doesn't get stuck in the sauce.
1: Yeah, fully agree. On uh, the Jets' side, Tyler. this is the kind of nightmare game that you worry about with Tyler Conklin. He only ran nine routes in this game. They threw 24 times – sorry, 26 times. Corey Davis ran 24 routes – and then Elijah Moore played his pretty full snap share. Garrett Wilson played 19 of 26. I trust Elijah Moore over anybody. But again, if I have somebody else, then I'm probably going that way. Elijah Moore, top five in the league in routes run on the season, mostly because Joe Flacco was throwing a ton, but he doesn't really have the stats to back it up. So I don't think it's going to, he's going to get more usage moving forward. So the upside's still there, but maybe not as exciting as we thought.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there as well. Uh, let's move on to the next game here, New England versus Cleveland. It's a, Cleveland is a two and a half point home favorite. It's a 43 and a half game total here. Uh, we may or may not get Mac Jones back for this one. He was limited in practice for New England. We know Ramondre Stevenson's the lead back there with Damian Harris dealing with his hamstring injury. Maybe Pierre Strong. Finds his way into some snaps this week. That will be something to watch for. Strong had a pretty good preseason. And it was something that I was reading about Cooper and it clicked a little bit for me. Pierre Strong led the FBS last season, which is the D1 subdivision in rushing. Bailey Zappi led the FBS in passing. In the fourth round, of the Patriots drafted the leading passer and the leading rusher from the fbs last season so i don't know if they planned on doing that in the fourth round but that's how they ended up and both could very well find themselves playing in this game for the patriots there pierce strong also had these tied for the fastest 40 time at the nfl combine 4.37 tied with isaiah pacheco He can catch the ball a little bit we talked a lot about how historically the patriots haven't used a running back that will play all three downs damian harris was sort of the lead back ronji stevenson obviously split some of that workload but ronda Stevenson was the primary pass-catching back in this offense. I would be curious if Stevenson stepping into the primary role, if Pierre Strong ends up becoming a pass-catching option in this offense, should he be the back that takes that leap? Assuming they'll call up somebody else from the practice squad, whether it be J.J. Taylor or Kevin Smith, or I think it's Kevin, Kevin Jones, his name is, I think it is. So So they
1: actually caught that guy. It was Kevin Harris, but they caught him. Yeah, so I basically, I think you're right. That's going to be JJ Taylor comes up, and then they just kind of wait for Ty Montgomery to come back. But I hope the analysis was a little deeper than just to go after the top two FBS guys, but you never know, right? I hope they just didn't like...
0: Oh, I'm sure they scouted them. I just thought yeah. it was funny. That's doing my That's, own sort of research for this. Yeah. I came across that little nugget that he was actually the leading rusher. And then Zappi was the leading passer of the FBS last
1: season. Yeah, he's fast. He's exciting. Damian Harris is out. And I think that this situation, like Ramond, Ramondre Stevenson probably does go back over to that side. And he probably does work a little bit less on pass plays, but he gets the full workload on early downs. So... Stevenson's the guy you got to get in the lineup wherever you can. Yep, that's my thoughts on him. Jacoby Myers yes. again, exactly the guy that we thought he would be. The and guy that uh, I thought he would be. Yeah, of course. Yeah, hey, Nelson Aguilar.
0: I know you already conceded that argument from last year,
1: but yeah, yeah. So <laughs> of course, I, I like Nelson Aguilar. I thought he was a higher A dot, more interesting guy. But Jacoby Myers is the guy that moves the sticks in this offense. There's something to be said for that. I mean, we talk about all these things: snap share and route participation and target share and A dot and all that. And then when you watch football on Sunday, you know what it is. Everyone remembers that this game is about two things. It's about getting first downs and scoring touchdowns, right? So like all the analytics go out the window when you get to the real game, what it really is, well, how do we get this first down? And Jacoby Myers says, been that guy. You, just you want to open. find that guy. He just
0: gets open. He's got very reliable hands, right? And right. that's a, a quarterback's best friend right there. So if
1: you could somehow make that guy like a little faster or a little taller. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, he would have been a first round star.
0: pick though. And not exactly. on drafted if he was a little exactly. bit faster and a little taller, right? Uh, uh,
1: you just got to, yeah, you got to enjoy him for what he is, right? Yeah.
0: Tyquan Thornton did come back. I think that's kind of interesting because Nelson Aguilar fumbled in that game last week. And then all of a sudden now he's on the practice report or the injury report with a hamstring. I, I would be, not that you're playing Tyquan Thornton this week, but again, just something to watch in this Patriots offense. He is another one that had a pretty good preseason. They use a second round pick on him. He had the fastest 40 time at the combine it was 4.27. So, I mean, this is a dude that can take the top off the defense. So I'd be curious to see if his snap share increases at all this week, especially if Mac Jones ends up being quarterback. They may open the playbook up a little bit more than what we've seen with Zappy On the Cleveland side of things, listen, it's, it's, once again, it's pretty straightforward. Ninjoku had a good game last week, Coop. I know you were worried yeah. about the matchup against Derwin James. Ninjoku had a great game. We talked about it on the podcast. The Chargers haven't stopped anybody running the football in what seems like three years. Nick Chubb goes out there, runs all over them. So like you mentioned, full systems go for for Ramondre Stevenson. The Patriots this year, running-wise, they're allowing 4.6 yards per carry. Are they going to stop Nick Chubb? This is going to be one of those great Bill Belichick moments where the quote is, Bill Belichick takes away the one thing you do well and they makes you beat you another way. Does he shut down Nick Chubb this week? Is he the first coach to do that?
1: Yeah, I think if he's going to try. That's the direction they're going to go. I mean, last week they took away TJ Hawkinson, which was surprising. Hawkinson only had one. They The Patriots have been struggling versus the tight end, let up five touchdowns in four games. Hawkinson coming off eight for 179 and two touchdowns, and then he has one catch for six yards against the Patriots. So I don't know. Maybe they've got a formula there that will work on David Njoku, or maybe they sell out to stop the run. It's always difficult with this Patriots defense, but they're going to key on something. One, the other thing I will say is that as you pointed out last week, Patriots cornerbacks are kind of crushing this year. The the rookie Jack Jones is the number one graded cornerback on PFF and Jonathan Jones is within that top 20 or so. So Mari Cooper going to be squaring off with the number one graded cornerback this week. I mean...
0: Another fourth round find by New England this year. Hey, Bill Belichick loves those fourth round picks, man. He just Vents.
1: he basically invents cornerbacks. <laughs> he he can't, can't draft a wide receiver to save his life, but he'll pull J.C. Jackson or Malcolm Butler. Or those guys were both undrafted. Yeah, and Jonathan then, you know,
0: Jones, Jack Jones, like they're all out here making Browns, plays. Yeah. So crazy.
1: Yeah. So just wait till we just wait till we put. Do we play the Jaguars this year? Because that was gonna. If we do, that's gonna be the craziest matchup of Joneses. Because we have Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones covering marvin jones and zay jones and i think they also have another wide receiver named tim jones that has played some snaps so Uh,
0: i'm not sure we get jacksonville or not but that would be
1: awesome yeah just 100 dudes on the field all with the same name
0: yeah tampa bay pittsburgh the bucks are giving eight and a half to pittsburgh who's at home in this game it's a 43 and a half game total uh buffalo just blitzed the steelers from the very i mean 98-yard touchdown pass the, the, on, like, the first series of the game by Josh Allen. Uh, Pitt, Pittsburgh, uh, Pickett unfortunately, isn't really not a great spot for him to get his first couple starts. Uh, Najee Harris looking horrible. The Tomlin came out and said they're going to give Jalen Warren more snaps, which is not what you want to hear as someone with Najee Harris on your roster. Deontay Johnson, Pickens, Fryermuth, like, this offense again this week is not in a great spot against Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jalen Warren, you found the clip or uh, of him. We, we watched the clip of him just crushing people in pass blocking. He's struggled through pass blocking so far, but this past game, one of the highest graded pass blockers out there was Jalen Warren. He actually played 33 pass snaps. Najee played 26, but you don't even want to... We don't want to see that split anywhere close to even. And we definitely don't want to see Jalen Warren playing more snaps than Najee Harris. So definitely a bit of a red flag there. If you can potentially swap Najee now i mean we talked about it the last couple weeks like the jacob harris usage i mean sorry jacob josh jacobs usage was has been amazing now the cat is out of the bag on that but if you can go and find somebody that's getting all the snaps maybe a josh jacobs or a joe mixon or somebody and trade the name the name value of Najee Harris i think i would consider doing that now right
0: yeah i agree with you i would make that move if he can again the value for Najee is so low right now that's the problem.
1: Like Value, like his whole value was tied to him playing every snap. And then yeah. this week he plays 37 of 75 snaps. So yeah. what's the value now? I agree. It's, it's pretty a, ugly. It's
0: pretty ugly. I agree. The Tampa Bay side of things, again, you can just kind of play your usual group. bray Evans, Godwin. Godwin. The yeah. one thing is Cameron bray returned to practice today. So Coop, do you think K. Otten has shown enough to overtake Cameron bray the last two weeks?
1: No, if anything, he's just showed enough to make it annoying. Right. I don't think there's an overtake possible here i mean kate otten was in the perfect situation last week and he did pretty well do we we had him in the dfs article but if Cameron break goes back to doing what he was doing before then he's just going to play a bunch in the slot kate otten will be in in line so i don't know i don't think they're ready to completely change the guard but this week will be a huge one in seeing that i mean if they do that then kate otten's got to be on your radar for dfs at least
0: yep i agree with you there minnesota miami here much to my dismay it seems like we're getting skylar thompson at quarterback for miami i don't understand this one could maybe you can help me make sense of it teddy bridgewater from all accounts passed lee concussion protocol on sunday did not have a concussion entered concussion protocol though on monday despite not having any concussion symptoms on sunday and now they're saying he's not going to be ready to play for sunday if he never had a concussion. How is he not ready to play on Sunday? Why is Teddy Bridgewater not able to go here? That is confusing to me. They ruled out Tua already. So Skylar Thompson looking like the starter for Miami. You have Minnesota coming into Miami here. This is where it's curious for me. It's just a three and a half point spread. Is it the know. Miami flu? Is this what's going on here? Is it, or is that why Miami is only three and a half point underdog here with Skylar Thompson as their quarterback against a four and one Minnesota team coming in?
1: I have no idea, man. And uh, like, there's one word to answer that question on Teddy Bridgewater thing. Overreaction. If the two concussions didn't happen, Teddy Bridgewater plays this week. A bunch of guys play this week. They pretty much overhauled the concussion protocol overnight. And this is the result. So I think they really just need to focus on finding a way, a better, I mean, I know it's very difficult. You know what I mean? I don't have the solutions myself, but refining these protocols to figure out when guys shouldn't play or should because Tua shouldn't have never been cleared, but Teddy Bridgewater should be. So that's just the way it is. So Skylar uh, T- Thompson is going to be the guy and I'm picking Minnesota to win. this.
0: Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Like, why is it, a, why is it only three and a half? No idea. With the third string quarterback starting against a team that is four and one, something suspicious, but we talk about it all the time. These road teams going to Miami, they party on sun on Saturday night. They show up to the heat and humidity of Miami on Sunday afternoon and they're just like not ready to go. And Miami tends to play close or whatever. My Offensively, Miami still has a lot of skilled position players around them. RIP anybody with Chase Edmonds and Moser has is, is taken over that role. I have Ray Moser in a lot of leagues. I talked about it on this podcast. He was going for free at the end of drafts for the most part of the offseason. Once they let go of Sonny Michelle, he started to creep up draft boards and you could get him in the 10th or 11th round. But we talked about it. His relationship with Mike McDaniel. He knows the offense. Chase Edmonds has never been a guy to hold down the lead back role job anywhere he's been. And then they didn't even really use him at all last week. And Edmonds goes and runs for 100 yards. I mean, Mostert goes and runs for 100 yards. If they're having a third down, a third string quarterback under center here, I gotta think we're gonna see a heavy dosage of Ray Mostert in this matchup against Minnesota.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, from just to go back to what you said, I don't think we have to worry too much about Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen going out to party on Miami Beach. That's this week. true. So that yeah, is, uh, this true. team might be immune to that narrative. And then you look at the injury report and I'm trying to find the reasons why like the Dolphins would be favored besides the fact that the game is in Miami. Like the injury report for the Dolphins has Teddy out, Tua out, Mostert, Raheem Mostert teron armstead durham Smythe, all didn't practice those guys are all starters if not the some of the best players in the team limited was elijah campbell clayton Gilman, Kevin howard robert jones cater Kahu, Manuel ogba zach sealer like they have legit 12 guys on the injury list and then you look at minnesota and they have four guys and it's like a cornerback that i don't even know alexander madison who's a backup Darius smith who was banged up, but uh, limited. And then Jalen Naylor, who, you know, is listed, but he was a full participant. So the Vikings are about as healthy as you get this time of the year. And the Dolphins, pretty much all their best players are listed somewhere on the injury report between both quarterbacks, the starting running back, Xavier Howard, Manuel Ogba. Teron Armstead, like literally all their best players are banged up. So this feels like a smash spot for the Vikings. But Vegas, they always
0: get something up their sleeves. They sleeve. always do have something up their sleeves. I agree with you. Arizona versus Seattle. This will be the chalkiest game of the DFS world. Seattle's defense continues to give up points to everybody. Arizona, people feel like they're underperforming right now james connor's questionable uh, darrell williams already ruled out so we could see benjamin step up in this game rondell moore played a lot more snaps again last week i uh, basically come back and played the full snap share in the two games that he's played finally got targeted though last week against in their matchup so against philadelphia so maybe a breakout coming for him the one week before deandre hopkins returns to this offense seattle you just keep playing them all right you play geno you play Lockett, another monster game for him Metcalf had a really good game, should have had another touchdown taken back on a holding call. And then Kenneth Walker, the guy had a monster run last week, showed what he can do. And now, with Rashad Penny out for the year, Kenneth Walker is the lead back in Seattle.
1: Seahawks are kind of quietly turning into the best fantasy team, especially because like Will Disley kind of fallen back to earth, only ran 15 to 34 routes. Noah Fant ran 20 to 34. That's fine with me. With this team, there's enough teams for me personally to have. Relevant tight ends. I would like both these guys just to kind of go on the back burner, not eat up a bunch of targets. Let's start Gino. Let's start DK. Let's start Lockett. Let's start Kenneth Walker and enjoy a highly consolidated offense because there's not too many of those. And Gino, you look at the grades are good. The stats are good. The tape is good. You know what? At this point, Jalen Smith is just good. He's making like tight he's...
0: throws. He's like, it's I, these aren't just like crazy lucky plays. Now he's making the right decisions, and you could have had every single member of the Seattle Seahawks offense at a three round discount basically during the offseason. because I went out. Nobody that. wanted them. I the only reason I started taking Tyler Lockett is because people were just not taking like eighth ninth round. I was getting Tyler Lockett in best ball. I'm like. I'm, I mean, like, they have to throw at some point, right? Like, at this point, I'll take a dart and certainly did not expect him to be producing the way he is, obviously. Or else I would have taken Metcalf, too. I did have a—I do have a Superflex Auction League where I spent one dollar— on geno smith in the draft as my third qb so that's worked out nicely and then yesterday and i tweeted about it or last night rather i guess i spent all 90 of my remaining fab dollars on kenneth walker and i'll leave yeah. in so absolutely i said people are again the reaction to that has been mixed you know, some people said that they did the same and they got a message in their league calling them crazy and yeah you know, like no he's a surefire rb1 upside play there's no who what better running back is gonna be yeah. available in the waiver no. wire from this point on <laughs> i not going to be unlikely to find anybody like that. So what's the point of me bidding $30 and hoping that I win him when I can just bet everything and hope I win him? So
1: I can't even create it's difficult to even create other narratives that would create that kind of running back. Like Dalvin Cook going down and being out for the full season, completely ruled out, is the one narrative where I might say that. And
0: Madison better- is probably rostered. But right, if he's right. not, sure. He's rostered. He's yeah, over,
1: like right? we like, lost Javante Williams. Melvin Gordon's rostered. Yeah. If you lose Zeke. Tony Pollard's roster. Like most of these guys that you think would be better than Kenneth Walker. Plus this offense is good. You know what I yeah, mean? So I know. yeah, you're not going to get better than that. This is the big one. And he's been ruled out for the full year. His a broken leg. Right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, fully on board.
0: He catches the ball. He runs the ball. He's explosive. So if Seattle's yeah. offense keeps playing the way they're playing, like Kenneth Walker, he's worth a hundred dollars. of your hundred dollar fat. He's worth a hundred percent of your fat money. So in most leagues that I, that people talk about what they spent on him, you weren't getting him for the waiver wire articles that said 25 to 30% of your budget. You had to spend almost all of it to get Kenneth Walker. Yes. Um, exactly. Depending on the league that you're in. So
1: now how do you feel about the Cardinals? They're coming in as the favorites here, right? Even on the road when they haven't played particularly well. Yeah. I mean, how do you feel about that?
0: John? I question it, especially without a running game. You're basically telling me that Kyler Murray is going to win you a football game and he hasn't been able to do that yet this year. So no. if DeAndre Hopkins was there, maybe I'd believe it again. This is just great for DFS Especially DraftKings, it's an insult. They left Geno Smith at the same price he was last week. They left Tyler Lockett at the same price he was last week. He's 5700 for Geno, $5,600 for Tyler Lockett it makes absolutely no sense. But yeah, listen, you can play all those guys in Arizona. I think they're going to put up points because Seattle's stopping nobody. But it is...
1: Still AJ Green in the lollipop guild over there. Yeah, right. You Marcus play Brown you play Hollywood Brown, Brown. You,
0: you play Rondale George. Moore, you play you play Zach Ertz. AJ yep. Green, me, but not really. It's bye week. So if you have nobody else in the 14 team league, maybe then you're playing AJ Green. If Connor's out though, I mean like Rondale's kind of interesting from a the hybrid perspective, right? Because like they will use him out of the backfield. So that is appealing to me a little bit. He
1: has negative rushing yards in the season. No, three I saw carries. That. Oh no, no, I've seen the numbers. three carries for negative eleven. But you know the upside's there. We're not gonna. No. We like to joke about it, but I'd rather have the, him have three carries for negative eleven yards. I'd rather have him have five carries for negative twenty yards. I watched as long as he's getting the, play, the carries. I watched
0: right? one of the plays that they ran with him where he got a negative yardage, and it was like he upset the offensive line. <laughs> like they pitched it to him, and immediately he was hit in the backfield. He had zero chance to even move. With the football. So hopefully they can sure that up. Or if they give him like different looks. Where maybe the defense don't know they're about to pitch it to, to Rondell more. That will have more success. But yeah, pretty, pretty ugly opportunities for Rondell so far. Great I believe one. in his running ability a little bit more
1: he's too slippery not to break one at some point whether it's going to be a screen or a he'll break a gadget play and we'll all be like oh there he is
0: i agree all right carolina versus los angeles here Uh, the rams versus the panthers we said on this podcast last week again it made no sense that the rams are five and a half point favorites against that held true dallas just blew them out didn't really matter matt stafford looks horrible still cam Akers looks bad offensive line looks bad Allen robinson is droppable at this point Tyler Higby still was kind of okay, and Cooper Cup was good, but I mean, yeah. maybe they get going against Carolina. But no Baker Mayfield. They fired their head coach. They fired their defensive coordinator. Uh, PJ Walker and crew going into LA this week doesn't seem too too good for anybody in this game, really.
1: Nah, no. Nah, I mean, every once in a while you get one of those. We're free games where it's like you, they fire the head coach and they also they win. But I don't think this is a good spot for it without your quarterback. Tyler Higby, like you said, like full PPR. You start Tyler Higby every week. He's getting the targets, everything, but his dot is 3.3 yards and he's not, he's not fast. So he's not a big yak guy. So it's 10, 10 targets, but he had 40 yards or whatever, 48 yards. So a full PPR guy, get him in there in a standard league. He might be below the Taysom Hill line. I don't even know. I'd, I think I'd still start him in standard. Like Higby at this point, he, since Allen Robinson is not showing up, he's the top two target on the team. That's the condition we look for upside. So get him in there. Yep. Can't start Allen Robinson. Can't start Ben Scaroni. So, I think really it's Cooper Cup and Higby, and you're waiting to see if Van. I mean, I'm stashing Van Jefferson if I have an IR spot because somebody's got to do something outside of those two guys, right?
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Somebody has to literally do it. Panther
1: side, you start anybody besides CMC?
0: No. Yeah, I agree. Got to start CMC, though. Yep. You got to see. Yeah, you got to play CMC, but he's probably like a. Realistically, maybe he's like a flex upside play this week. Right? Yeah, like, no,
1: just play, just get him in your lineup in your real leagues and don't use him in DFS.
0: Yeah, and just yeah, just hope maybe he breaks one. Buffalo, Kansas City. If you're not stacking Seattle, Arizona, you're stacking this game. And I've made multiple lineups already in DFS on both DraftKings and FanDuel where you can stack both games because pricing is weird. Fifty-three and a half game total. Kansas City is a home underdog for the first time during the Patrick Mahomes era. Two and a half point underdogs for Kansas City here. Smoke him if you got him, basically.
1: Yeah, this is a. This is crazy. You start Diggs. You start Davis. How do you feel about Devin Singletary? What
0: went down I like there? Listen, I talked to this about Howard Bendry. I sent him a lineup earlier today, and he questioned why I had Devin Singletary in the lineup. And I said, because look at it. The two games where Buffalo blew out their opponents, Pittsburgh and Tennessee, Singletary wasn't involved in the game plan. They just didn't need him. Because Josh Allen's throwing this football. It doesn't really matter what the score is. and when this, and, Until they get to a point where they're winning by too much, and then they like run the ball with Josh Allen. <laughs> like they just—they right. they don't even really utilize the running backs as much. In the two games, though, where the, it was competitive against Miami and against, was it Baltimore, look at the targets and catches that Devin Singletary had in this offense. He was targeted like 16 times. He had 13 catches. And they still ran the ball a little bit with him. So I think this is going to be one of them shoot-em-out games. And if Devin Singletary is the pass-catching running back in this offense, this should be a game where he could see five, six targets maybe more in the, in this sort of environment. So I am fine with Devin Singletary here. Yep,
1: bingo. There's no tight end that I'm playing for the Bills, even if Dawson Knox plays. Can't trust him. I haven't been able to trust him all year. So no tight end over there. Obviously, Kelsey, you start him anywhere you have him. Yep. And then it's the normal story with everyone else. The McKinnon-Clyde edwards layer split has been annoying. Once again, McKinnon played more snaps, but we've also seen Clyde play Kind of snaps so it's not as consolidated or fun on this side of the on this side of the ball are you i'm starting Clyde or it's layer in the places i have them but that's mostly because i don't have anybody else how do you how are you feeling about this
0: no i'm playing CH again he catches yeah. the football they proved when they're ahead big he's the guy that gets the football to run too i think what happened with the jack mckinnon thing last week was just that he had a couple big runs and he really just went with it right nice like man. he broke through he had a couple long runs it's a layer also had that play where Mahomes just hit him between the numbers on the back of the jersey because he never swung his head around. And maybe there was a little bit to do with that as well, where they're like, all right, man, if you're not going to be in the like, in the game, we're just going to go with the guy who's actually running well. And I think that was really the only reason that McKinnon kind of played the way he played last week. I think if he didn't have some of those bigger runs against the Raiders, they would have led more to CEH in this one. So I'm not overly concerned about it.
1: Yeah, In this game, I think, so finally, Kelsey gets a tough matchup with Matt Milano. One of the best coverage linebackers out there. I think this is a game where Juju or MVS, one of them scores the first touchdown this season.
0: Yeah, I like MVS. You know, yeah,
1: 35. To, I mean, if you look at it, 35 targets for Juju, 31 for MVS. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if they're going to get equal targets, MVS at least is running the higher eight-out route. Yep. Right? So if it's going to be equal targets, give me the guy with the higher. They're going to
0: take a shot downfield uh, with him at some point.
1: So. Getting downfield, yeah. So. Go with MBS. Yes.
0: Yep, I agree. Sunday night football game, we got a good one here. Dallas versus Philadelphia. Philly is a six-point home favorite. 42.5 game total here. Two of the league's best defenses going at it. Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback once again for Dallas. Philadelphia, again, their offense Jalen Hurts has looked really strong. Devonta Smith, another really good game for him. Maybe even, and as big as I was on A.J. Brown, maybe Devonta Smith is actually the number one receiver in this offense, or it's just that A.J. Brown's getting the tougher defense, and defenses have to pick and choose. We can't double both, so we have to figure out which one we're going to try to shut down, and they just keep going A.J. Brown, and therefore Devonta Smith is tearing them apart.
1: It's, yeah, it might just end up being whoever Travon Diggs is covering when he decides to let up his 60-yard touchdown.
0: He let, out, he let up two huge plays last week. One of them no, was not. the Cooper Cup, and one of them was this, who was it, Tucho Atwell. <laughs> yeah, the perfect,
1: yeah, The perfect Trevon Diggs game is he lets up a 60-yard touchdown he, he himself has an interception for a touchdown, and then he gets in some sort of dust-up. That's a like that's the Gordie a, Howe
0: hat trick, but in Exactly,
1: football? yeah. The Ravon yeah. digs It's like Asante's – remember Asante Samuel with the Pats and also with the Eagles? That was what he did. He just – he either intercepted or, or he let up a monster play, and it's exciting. I think, like, you basically have the fantasy football game of the night, Bills versus Chiefs, and then you have the real football game of the night, which is the night game, right. the gritty game.
0: I mean, this, this, this is, the is for – as wild as it seems, we could come out of week six with three five and 5-1 teams in the NFC East. The Giants, the Cowboys, and the Eagles. So which is
1: what we thought the AFC West was going to be, but those yeah, teams actually. said the NFC
0: team. East is out here being top of the line. Should Dallas pull off a victory and the Giants go out and, and win their game against Baltimore? So
1: crazy uh, game. It's going to be a crazy game. I mean, Eagles favored by six. I don't know, man. I don't yeah,
0: know. I don't know. Again, that this is again one of the tougher defenses that Philly's going to face all season because of that pass rush is just. Here's the thing, Dallas is probably the first defense that can match the speed of Philly's offense, right? Yes. and that's what's going to like. Michael Parsons isn't gonna get outrun by Jalen Hurts, right? Jalen Hurts outruns everybody. Michael Parsons is faster than he is, so like that—that that is gonna be something to watch here. The pass rush for Dallas versus the offensive line and Hurts' ability to stand in there. There was a graphic tweeted out earlier today. I don't know if you saw it. Quarterback rating against the blitz, and Jalen Hurts was the third worst in football. So I like Jalen Hurts a lot obviously he's uh, he still has some development to go and if dallas is just going to be teeing up blitzes all night hurts is going to be looking to pull down and run or throw on the run and he's been hasn't had good success doing so this season
1: yeah and we're seeing why demarcus lawrence another guy routinely graded as a top five edge rusher in this league i mean he has a game with three sacks this season this guy is he's running a rock and roll
0: Yep, I agree with you there. Final game, Monday Night Football. They're giving us Denver on another prime time slate. Don't really understand why. Denver into Los Angeles, face the Chargers. Chargers giving five and a half points, 45 and a half game total. Maybe Keenan Allen comes back, but if you have Keenan Allen in your lineup, it's Monday Night Football, so you better have a plan to swap him out because if he doesn't play, you're kind of screwed there. Yeah. Uh, but at least, again, these are teams where we kind of know what we're doing. So
1: Right. If you have been starting... Josh Palmer, because you didn't have Keenan Allen, just make sure you got Josh Palmer ready to rock and roll. If you can, if you're a Keenan Allen guy, it really is probably the safest play because you want to have Keenan Allen in there if he's going to play. And Josh Palmer, he Mike Williams ran 35 routes last game. Josh Palmer ran 35 routes last game. So be ready to start those guys. The one that's tough is Gerald Everett because you only want to start him when Keenan Allen's out. And I don't like starting him when Keenan Allen's in. So. If you have other similar options, I think I would just go with those. guys.
0: Yeah, it's certainly a potential situation there. The other one to watch is the Broncos because, as we've said, you, anybody can run on the Chargers this year. Latavius mm-hmm. Marty was signed last week. Didn't play, obviously, because it was short week. They played on Thursday. He's now had a full week-plus of practice and workout time. Melvin Gordon didn't look great last week against the Colts. Mike Boone looked okay. If this comes out to the spot here, Melvin Gordon maybe gets off to a slow start or refumbles. fumbles. And Latavius Murray looks like he did in London when he played for the Saints and had a really strong game there. Maybe that ends up being the, the changing there of Latavius Murray taking over in Denver.
1: I'll tell you what, if Latavius Murray even plays half the snaps, then I can probably never trust Melvin Gordon again.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, like yeah. I said, we saw Latavius Murray, 11 carries 57 yards on a touchdown. His last game with the Saints played better than Mark Ingram. The Saints offered him a spot on their main roster and then he went to Denver because Denver lost Devontae Williams. So I have to imagine Denver made similar promises to, to Latavius. Otherwise, why would he stick, not stick with the Saints? So
1: exactly. Um, and just like with Melvin Gordon, like even though he didn't fumble, he came out and he, you know, had a pass blocking grade that was like 14 yeah.
0: out of 100. And so he's like, dealing with he a little just bit can't of stop a, making mistakes. He's dealing with a little bit of an injury too, from what I was like seeing. Like he's not 100. percent It doesn't seem like so.
1: Can't stop making mistakes, man. So I don't know. I still, where I got them, I got to use them, but I don't feel great about it.
0: Yep. I agree with you there
1: 100%. Can't trust any of those tight ends. Don't start Eric Sober. Just wait and see what happens with Greg Dulcich because you can't trust Albert O either. But Eric Sober, I'm not sold.
0: No, yeah, well, Greg Dulcich, pick him up, stash him, see what happens. Third round pick, pure pass catching tight end. It seems like he could pretty quickly make the jump into this tight end fray and maybe make an impact. So
1: converted wide receiver. That's what we want to hear.
0: Yep. So that's what we're looking for there. That is our week six preview. Coop, any final words for the people at home?
1: No, yeah, that's it. I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm excited. I have my wedding this week, which I guess I'm excited for that too. But you know, it's this is a football show, so I'm most yeah. excited for that.
0: Now, yeah, listen. Congrats to you and the missus, Thanks. I'll be at the wedding there as well. So excited. Uh, we'll celebrate, and then we'll we'll be back next week, and we'll do week seven preview, and it will be you'll be a married man. So
1: right dude beautiful thing
0: yep all right everybody we'll catch you next week talk to you later